All right, Pac-Man, anyone? Okay, Yen, Yen. Turn to the person next to you. What's the highest score you've ever had in Pac-Man? Go. The higher, the better, okay? 20,000, 30,000. Okay. All right, let's pray. Let's pray. God, thank you for the privilege of being here today. God, no matter where we've come from, no matter where we came in today, no matter what our life experiences have been, no matter where we are spiritually, God, I trust and believe, and I have hope today, Lord, that you have a word that you want to give to us. God, that there's something important that you want to speak into our hearts and into our lives. Uh, For some of us, Lord, we may be a little afraid because it could be a word of just correction. It could be a word of challenge. And yet, Lord, we know that your intentions for us are good. And so, Lord, as we dig into your word together, may we find hope that we need. And may we find the encouragement that you want to give us. Lord, remind us that no matter where we are, no matter where we are, we're not in it alone. That you walk with us. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us today through the power of your word. In the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. All right. So here we are in week two of our series called Consumed. You know, daily we are bombarded by the opportunity to improve our lives through significance, meaning, beauty, consumption, appetite, grabbing, getting more, taking more, buying more, spending more, doing a lot of things in order to improve our lives in a lot of different ways. In fact, during this series here called Consumed, we're using the visual, if you look at your main communication piece, or you look behind me, you see Pac-Man. You know, Pac-Man is a great game. It's a fun game. It's kind of an exciting game. It's an old school game, but, you know, still a little fun to play. Great game, but a really sad picture of real life for some people. And maybe for some of us in this room. You see, you know the game Pac-Man, right? So you've got little Pac-Man, and his job, his goal, is to gobble up as quickly and as efficiently and as strategically as possible as many little balls as he possibly can. And then to get more and more, and in a faster way, and in a harder way, to get more and more and more, and really to be consumed or to be all-consuming of that which is in his way. You know, last week when we kicked off this series, we talked about endless appetites. Dion talked about that in our 11 o'clock service here. And then at the end of the message, we issued you a challenge. We said, all right, weekly challenge. Every week during the series, we're going to give you a challenge. Do you remember what last week was? It was... Stop spending no new stuff for two hours. I mean two weeks, okay? All right? No new stuff for two weeks. So here we are, halfway point. Some of you who weren't here last week, you're thinking in your head, and this is exactly why I don't go to church every week, okay? Because they're going to pull stuff like that on me. Well, we're going to give you another challenge this week. I'm going to get to that in a little bit. But let me give you some feedback because we heard from a bunch of you during the week and you told us some of the things that you as a family talked about or some of the challenges that you encountered. So got this great email on Friday I want to share with you. Our preaching staff began a series entitled Consumed. Each message within the series concludes with a challenge. This past Sunday's challenge, referring to last week, was a doozy. We were challenged to stop spending no new stuff for two weeks. After a quick perusal of my mental calendar, I realized three of our six birthdays fall within the next two weeks. Ooh, stinks to be in that family, huh? And we were hosting two dinners at our home next weekend. Panicking, okay, her words, not mine. 
I sat there for a moment in shock. But after doing a mental checklist of our pantry and freezer items, I decided this challenge would be good for me. I can do this. I like a challenge. Furthermore, this could potentially be a great learning exercise for our family. And it has been. Our son's birthday was yesterday. His gift had been purchased a few weeks ago. But instead of birthday cupcakes at school, he'll take the Edie's popsicles from the deep freeze tomorrow. There were just enough for his class. For his birthday dinner, he chose homemade BLTs instead of a favorite restaurant. He never once complained about the changes made to his birthday plan. He seemed to like the challenge. The person who seems most affected by this two-week sacrifice is my husband. Surprise, surprise, right? Okay, my words, not hers, okay? His birthday is tomorrow, and unlike my son's gift, his was not purchased early. He's trying to play the legalism card on these challenge shenanigans, but I'm encouraging him to see it as a spending diet or a consumerism cleanse. He's coming around. Even though it's been an adjustment, there's been an equal blessing. In that, when I take the focus off of even the simplest form of consumerism, grocery shopping. I see the wealth we already have more clearly. You don't realize how much of a hold consumerism has on you until you turn it around and challenge it. And when the drive to consume is held at bay, there is instantly more room for contentment and thanksgiving. Is that awesome or what? Yeah, that is cool. That's cool. And, and all of you, if you took that challenge seriously, or you're in the middle of it right now, you probably have stories like this. So let's go ahead and let's jump into week two. Week two, we're talking about searching for value. So let me just ask you a question as we get going. Are the best things in life free? As we talk about searching for value, are the best things in life free? All right? Now, because I don't fully trust you, okay, I need you to close your eyes. Close your eyes like we're in second grade and we're going to vote. Okay, I don't want any cheaters here. Close your eyes like we're in second grade. We're going to vote. Are the best things in life free? Raise your hand if you believe yes. The best things in life are free. Raise your hand. I'm just, you, know, you keep your hands up. I'm judging you right now. Okay? All right? Yeah, yeah. I expected that from him. Yep. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, put your hands down. Open your eyes. Are the best things in life free? Frankly, many of you said yes. Many of you believe that. But my question to you would be, really? Are they? Are they really? Are the best things in life really free? Because if they are, why is it that we get so consumed and so tempted and so sucked in to stuff? Why do we care what kind of car we drive, the house we live in, what everything looks like, the shoes we wear, the clothes we have on? Why do we care about it? If the best things in life really are free, and if we believe that to be true, why? Why do we go there? Why do we let ourselves go there? Well, I think if we're really honest... Everything that we value costs something. Everything that we value costs something. Think about it, okay? We are the brands we wear, aren't we? You know, when I was in high school, I was on the basketball team, and uh, everyone on the team wore Air Jordans, okay? Back in the day, Air Jordans. He was still playing back then, okay? Michael Jordan just turned 50 last Sunday, Okay, can you believe that? Michael Jordan turned 50, not getting any younger. But they still sell Air Jordans. You know how much they cost? 170 bucks. 170 bucks for Air Jordans. Now, I don't wear Nikes much anymore. I don't wear Air Jordans. I'm more of a New Balance guy. 
okay? New Balance means I'm a runner, okay? But I put value in these shoes. I put value, I pay for them. They're not free, but I put value in them because I think that in some way they're going to help improve my life. Some of us put value in other things. You know, honestly, some of us put value in other brand names. Anybody know what these are? What are they? Sperry. Sperry shoes. Okay, these are Sperry shoes. By the way, okay, just a little helpful hint. Mint is in for the spring. Okay? <laughs> I, I'm just saying, okay, Pastor Ryan told you here, okay, mint is in for the spring. Got these shoes, these Sperry's. A lot of you girls like to wear them. They've got guys, Sperry's, okay. The, these are kind of trendy, cool shoes. But we are, in some respects, the brands that we wear. Maybe not with our clothes, maybe with our cars. You know, how much value do you put in your car? Maybe for some of you, a lot, okay? You put a lot of value in your car. You're car people. You're not shoe people. You're not shirt people, but you're car people. It's not your car. Maybe it's your boat, okay? Down at the lake, you know that lake, the Missouri lake that we've got, that dammed up river kind of thing with fake water and, you know, all that, okay? You got your boat down there. Okay, and so you're putting your money, you're putting your value, you're putting significance, maybe even your identity in your boat, in your car. But what about things beyond material possessions? Okay, some of us put our value in achievement and in accomplishing certain things. You know, this right here is hanging on my wall in my office. This is a degree from my graduate school from Concordia Seminary. Here's the thing that you probably can't see on this degree. It's written in a language I can't understand. All right? I used to be able to read it. Now, about the only thing that I can read is Ryan Ray Peterson. Okay? But I value this. And it wasn't free. I put value in this in my education. For some of us, we put value in our athleticism. You know, 13.1, okay? If you drive around West County, I love it. It's awesome, okay? Every other car has a 13.1 sticker on it, okay? And sometimes... 13.1, by the way, half marathon, it's right next to this, okay? So not only do we put value in our athleticism, we also put value in our kids' education and what we want to do for them. Could be another hobby, could be golf, could be any of this, but here's the question today. If I lost all this, this, if I lost all of it, if I lost any of it, would I be Okay. If I lost this, all or any piece of it, would I be okay? This is what we want to think about. This is the question we want to consider as we dig into Philippians chapter 3. Grab your Bibles, if you will. Philippians chapter 3, you can grab the Bible that's in front of you. Page, 10, or page 1163 in the red Bible or black Bible that's right in front of you. You can also go on to version right now. Type in STJSTL in the live event. You're going to see Philippians 3 right there. As we consider that question, you know, if I lost all or any of this, would I be okay? Considering our stuff, think about your own situation, what you own, what you have. Think about all of it. Go to Philippians chapter 3. You know, the Apostle Paul here this is one of his epistles, one of his letters. He's writing specifically to the church at Philippi. But as he's writing in this chapter here, chapter 3, he's opposing a group of people called the Judaizers. Now the Judaizers were kind of a, a segment of people who said that if you wanted to be saved, if you wanted to be accepted as a, you know, a person who's saved by God, then you need to conform your life 
to that of other Jewish people. In other words, even if you're not a Jew, you'd have to be circumcised. You know, you'd have to follow all the Jewish laws. So he's writing specifically to oppose those people. Now, he's also, as he's doing this, opposing people who are trying to define his life for him. Some of us are living in that world right now. Where there are people trying to define our life for us. So I think these words are going to be really important. Look at verse 4, okay? Paul says, I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks, okay, he's about ready to make a list. If anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh. In other words, if anyone else here thinks that they have a great list of credentials, I have more. You know, you think your credentials are good? You think your accolades are good? You think your degree is good? You think your achievements? You think all your stuff is good? Paul says, I got you beat. I've got more. I've got more, okay? Paul easily could have found his identity in his accolades and in his achievements. Here we go, verse 5. Here's the list. Resume, if you will. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, Faultless. You see, Paul was born of Israel's stock, circumcised on the eighth day according to the Jewish law. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. You know, look at that in your text. Hebrew of Hebrews. What does that mean? It means that he was purely Jewish. You know, both parents come from Jewish ancestry. It's all good. He's a genuine Jew. You know, he was a Pharisee. He chose to belong to the most orthodox, the most correct, the most rigid of the religious parties of that day called the Pharisees. In fact, according to Acts 22, he studied under the best educator, under this guy by the name of Gamaliel. So he had a great degree. He had a great degree, studied under the best professors, had incredible standing, incredible education, great credentials, reputation, acceptance in the world. And honestly, some of you do as well. Some of you have that as well. You have great standing before other people. You know, you you look good. You drive well. You live well. You go to a job that you love. And they love you. And it's all good. And that's cool. It really is. Okay? But here's the warning we got to give today. We could win the admiration of men, but lose the real value of life. We could. We could win the admiration of men. We could win the favor of people. We could win the popularity contest. We could be the coolest thing on the block. But in the process, lose the real value of life. This is the danger of what we're talking about today. You see, Jesus said in the New Testament, what good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet he forfeits his soul? In our culture, it's so easy, isn't it, to base our value on what we have, on what we wear, on what we do. It's so tempting to get sucked into it. But take it from the experience of other people who have been down that path. And more importantly, take it from the wisdom of God's word. There's got to be a better way to do this. Look at Philippians chapter 3, look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. But whatever was to my profit, Paul says, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss 
for the sake of Christ. See, Paul has a gut check. Whatever was to my profit, that previous list that he showed, you know, circumcised on the eighth day, Hebrew, Hebrews, Pharisee, all that kind of stuff, he could have kept on going. He could have written a whole volume on everything that he had accomplished, all the good that he had done. He could have kept on doing more than what he had listed. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider, what's the word there? Loss. Loss literally means disadvantage. I now consider it a disadvantage for the sake of Christ. So he's making this comparison. The stuff that I have, all this, okay, I now consider a disadvantage compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. You see, it is so easy to put our hope here to put our life here, to, to put our, just our mind and our place and frankly even our heart, our time, our energy here. But Paul says, Paul says, hold on, hold on. Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. You see, what Paul found in Christ made everything else fail by comparison. Look at verse eight. What is more, I consider everything, okay, that's, a, that's an important word there. I consider everything a loss, a disadvantage compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, okay, it's like trash, okay, junk, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, okay, righteousness being made right with God, a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. You see, Paul knew what he wants us to know. Knowing Christ puts the rest of life in its proper perspective. Knowing Christ puts the rest of life in its proper perspective. Now notice what I did not say. I did not say knowing about Christ. Having head knowledge, knowing the facts, perfect church attendance, being in BSF. Okay, all, it's all good. It's all good, right? But knowing Christ, knowing Christ puts the rest of life in its proper perspective. You see, look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. Paul says, I want to know Christ. Not, not I want to know about Christ. Not I want to try to gather up all the facts. But I want to know. I want to know the power of Christ that can be unleashed through my life. When I'm serving, when I'm content, and when I'm doing and being all that God has made me to be. You see, for Paul, this meant a deep, lasting, ongoing relationship that started at the moment of his conversion. You know, the, the day in Acts chapter 9, when Paul's doing his thing, his name was Saul, and God literally knocked him off of his high horse, all of his stuff, and put him on the ground, and said, all right, you think you got your life together? You think you do? I want to give you more. And in order for me to give you more, I need you to be willing to give up a few things. Just go there with me. And Paul, by God's grace, did. And so from the moment of his conversion, he began to see that he wanted to know Christ more and more. And so he realized that life was all about knowing Christ. Because in knowing Christ, he received all that Christ wanted to give him. Including the power to serve other people. 
the significance and purpose in his life that he was lacking before. The influence that he thought he had, but honestly, he was just impressing people. He didn't have true influence. The value in whose he was and who he belonged to. The contentment that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. The peace that will come from being in a relationship with him. You see, some of us are like, yeah, 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 I've heard this, okay? Yeah, yeah, Pastor Ryan, I know, you know, Jesus is more important, blah, 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 okay. But really, have you known Christ and do you know him to the degree that it puts the rest of your life in proper perspective? You see, when we know Christ, we know the power of his life and the power of his death. Which means when we know the power of his death, we live our lives free of guilt, free of shame, free of the anxiety that stress and worry and everything else brings and consumes our lives. You see, when we know Christ, all of this is still good. Okay, please, please do not think for a moment or don't walk away from here today thinking that Pastor Ryan says education's bad and I should drop out of school, okay? Not saying it. I'm in school right now, okay? I I believe in continuing to be educated, okay? Don't think for a moment that I think driving a nice car is bad, okay? I think nice cars are beautiful, okay? They're great. I like shoes too, okay? We had two boats growing up and a couple of sailboats, okay? I get this, right? I run. I have one of these. I don't have it on my car, but I do have one, okay? And yes, you know, I I care about my kids' education. Okay, this is all good. It's all good. But when we know Christ, we begin to put this in its proper perspective. You see, I just wonder, as we search for value in our life, have we misplaced any of it? Because we've misplaced Christ. It's not too late. It's not too late to turn things around. It's not too late to do something different. Some of you think, but yeah, I got all this stuff and now I'm paying for all this stuff and I'm in this house, I can't afford it. How do I get out of that? You know, it's going to require some hard decisions. That's why we're doing consumed. Because we want to just seed you a little bit and challenge you to consider the hard decisions in your life. Because when you know Christ, all of a sudden, your eyes are open to saying, yes, I like all this. But I love someone more. And then it begins to frame out the rest of your life. And when it frames out the rest of your life, all of a sudden, your attitude about stuff changes. Jesus said, for where your, remember? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If we put Christ where Christ belongs, And that is in the center of our lives. We know him. You know, Paul says, I want to know him. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I want to know that. You know, the New Testament talks all the time about people being in Christ and Christ living in me. Okay, all the more evidence for us to think about what it really looks like when Christ is living in me. How do you know if Christ is living in you? Okay, you're willing. You're willing to to confess 
and to be forgiven. Because you want to embrace that new life. You want to embrace new opportunities. You want to go there. You've got a peace, the Bible says, that passes all understanding. You have hope for a better future, even when life isn't going your way. Your value is placed in all that more than your stuff. So let's run a filter today. If knowing Christ puts the rest of life in its proper perspective, let's run a little filter. Here's what it is, okay? I'm going to ask you to ask yourself one question, and then I'm going to ask you today to remind yourself of one truth, okay? Then I'm going to give you the weekly challenge. So, knowing Christ puts everything else in its proper perspective. Ask yourself, okay? If you're wondering about that, ask yourself, filter. If I lost this, would I be okay? Okay, if you're putting Christ in his place, in the right spot, opening your life to the blessings he wants to give you. Ask yourself, if I lost this, whatever this is, would I be okay? Would I be okay? And if the answer is no, then let's revisit and let's continue to keep growing in that relationship with the Lord. If I lost this, if I lost my car, if I lost my house, if I lost my wife, if I lost my kid, if I lost anything that matters to me, would I be okay? And then, remind yourself, remind yourself, Jim Collins made this phrase famous, good is the enemy of great. So ask yourself, if I lost this, would I be okay? And then remind yourself over and over and over again that good is the enemy of great. You see, we can fill our lives with a lot of good things, good value things. I believe that all of this right here next to me, it's good. It's good. But if that becomes the most important thing in my life, that is the enemy of great. And what God wants to offer to me is great. His plans for you are great. His hope for you is great. His forgiveness offered and extended to you is great. The power of Christ living in you so that you continue to know him more and more, it is great. If you don't believe me, just continue to read God's word. Seriously, challenge you to do that. Look at it, see it, even look at the experiences of people around you, maybe people who are a little further ahead of you in their life journey. Go there. Do it and let the great things that God wants to give you, first of all, himself, be a blessing to you. And by the way, that which is great is free to you. It costs God everything, but it's offered to you freely. God's great gifts are free to you, free of charge. And so here's the weekly challenge that we want to give you, okay? Here's the weekly challenge. We want you as a family, as a small group, as a group of friends, individually, however you want to do this, to find value in free. We want you to find value in free this week. To locate and to attend a free activity this week. Now some of you look at that and you're like, okay, I can't go on another spending diet, all right? This is okay, I can do that, we can handle that, okay? Part of this is symbolic, okay? Part of it is symbolic, you know, find value and free. Yeah, 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 we're fine. What's, what's the point? Find value and free. Because when you do that, we want you to be thinking about what Jesus offers you freely. So find value and free. I want you leaving here today thinking free. 
What God gave me on the cross is free. Forgiveness is free. Purpose, significance, all of it that Christ offers to me, free. So this week, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find value in free. I'm going to locate and attend a free activity this week. Do it. Okay, part of it is practical. Part of it is symbolic. You know, we just want you to do it. You know, look around. St. Louis is one of the most incredible cities to live in if you want free. It really is. Okay, let me just give you a couple ideas. You know what's free? The zoo is free. Okay, zoo is free. This is a great time of the year to get your family together. Maybe this afternoon, high is like 45, get to the zoo. Great time to visit, but here's what makes it free. Don't pay for that stinking parking, okay? That's where they get you, right? Park on the street and walk. You know what else is free? Fresh air, okay? All right, so get outside, go to the zoo. While you're down there, what else is free in St. Louis? Science Center's free. Okay, you can go to the Science Center as a family. A lot of other things in Forest Park are free. You can go for a hike as a family. When the snow comes and we get like 20 inches on Tuesday, okay, kind of like last week, right? Okay, you can go play in the snow and go sledding for free. Go to a local park for free. There are so many things that you can do for free. Find value in free. If you don't believe any of the things I just said, go to West News Magazine, community event section near the end. Check it all out, okay? There are plenty of things coming up this week free. So find value in free. Locate and attend a free activity with your family this week. Can you do that? Okay? Easy enough? It is pretty easy, okay? Easier than last week. Definitely easier than last week, okay? And again, the point is that we would see the benefit and the blessing of all the free that God wants to offer to us. So I pray that in faith, God gives you all that you need to receive that, to see it, to not push it away, to not be stingy with it, but to open up your hands so that you might put Christ where he belongs and enjoy all the other good things of life as well. Let's stand and let's pray about it. Gracious God, your word says that every good and every perfect gift comes from above. Every good and every perfect gift that we have comes from your hand. Lord, you offer it to us. You extend it to us. Lord, forgive us for the moments when we've pushed it away. When we thought maybe we can find greater value in something more, in something that costs more. Lord, instead remind us that what you give to us is what we need. God, give us hope today to look to you for every good and perfect gift. Lord, create in us a desire, a growing faith, so that we might know you. And in knowing you, know the power of your life, your death, and your resurrection. And in knowing you, we begin to see what it's like to live a life of peace and of joy, of contentment, of service, of significance and purpose. And everything else that you want to bless us with. God, as we continue in prayer, bring to mind for us ways that we can grow, that we can take next steps on our life journey. Lord, maybe even prompt us with changes that we need to make in our own life. Maybe we need to get rid of something to make room for the great things that you want to offer to us. Jesus, hear our prayers. We continue to pray silently before you.